podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Love this podcast? Support this show through the supporter feature from Acast. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. The Two-Footed Podcast is brought to you by EPLindex.com and our presenting sponsor, Liberty Shield. Liberty Shield is a VPN provider. A virtual privacy network allows you to go online, change your location, access things you're geo-blocked from while keeping your data safe. So, as an example, if you are a UK expat and want access to BBC iPlayer to watch Match of the Day or ITV Hub or all four, but you get that message that says this content is not available in your location, a Liberty Shield VPN gets you around that block allows you to watch whatever you want on those services while also keeping your data safe. And it goes further than that. It allows you to open up Netflix's entire library by just changing your IP address. Liberty Shield is the number one rated VPN provider on Trustpilot with five-star ratings across the board. So go to libertyshield.com right now, use the code EPL25, and get either the hardware package or the software package. The hardware package is a router that you plug into your existing router. And any item you want to change the IP address on, be it your phone or your television, you connect that to the new Liberty Shield router. All other items can remain connected to your existing router. There's also a software package, which is instantly downloadable to your device, and you can get using straight away. Again, libertyshield.com, EPL25 for 25% off at checkout. We're also brought to you by Home of Hopcroft, a giftware and homework company located in Scotland, but shipping worldwide. Check out homeofhopcroft.co.uk and do check out the EPL Index and Anfield Index shops, which you'll find on Etsy. Use the codes EPL10 or RED10 for 10% off at checkout. And lastly, do remember to check out a tad predictable hosted by Tadiwa. That podcast is on this feed before every Premier League match week. And then the EPL Roundtable hosted by Kevin DeVries on its own EPL Roundtable feed. So just search EPL Roundtable in your podcast device. And that's out after every match week. Now, on with the show. What's good, boys and girls? Two for the podcast. Today is Thursday. It is the 20th of July. Hope you're all well. Hope you all have nice plans for the upcoming weekend. And I hope it's not raining where you are as it is where I am. Uh, today is obviously Thursday, so it is Questions Day. Going to jump into these. I think I have four or five. Uh, question for Thursday. Aqualani is considered a flop. This is from um, Iberhouse. Aquilani is considered a flop at Liverpool, perhaps rightly so, but I remember him making a difference in a few game, a few games and winning man of the match on several occasions. What were your thoughts on him at the time? 
very talented, but very frustrating that he couldn't stay fit. He did have a nine-game run where he was man of the match four times and got, an, a goal, got a goal and six assists and showed what he was capable of. But he just couldn't stay fit, which is a real shame. A real shame. Because he did have all the talent. He was just the wrong player at the wrong time. Or maybe the right player at the wrong time. Definitely had the talent, though. Such a gifted passer of the ball. Um, can you pick a player from each of the 90s, 2000s and 2010s who you feel is unfairly criticised as a poor player when they were actually good? Let me think. Right, in the 90s. Um, Nicky Butt was a much better player in the 90s than people gave him credit for. I think he was was actually a good midfield player, and I think a lot of people scoffed at the idea. He wasn't as good as Keane, but he was still very good. And I think if Liverpool had had him, I think they could have challenged for the title. So I'll go Nicky Butt for the 90s. Uh, 2000s. Let me think. Um, I mean, I loved Momo Sissoko, but I don't know if people thought he was a poor player or just technically limited. But I loved him. Thought he was excellent. Great ball winner. Knew, knew what he could and couldn't do. And in the 2000s, I mean, Aquilani would be, what, 99 and onwards. Look, Mario Balotelli is a much better player than people have ever given him credit for. He's just a head case, and he hasn't used his talent to the, the fullest of its of his abilities. But he's really, really good. Um, I'll have to think about that some more, but they'd be off the top of my head. Nicky Butt is definitely the answer I'd, I'd have for the 90s, although I don't know if people thought he was poor or just overlooked him because United had so much quality in midfield. Um. A final question for me. Do you know much about relation, the relationism tactics utilised by Fernando Denise's Fluminense? What are your thoughts and could it work in the Premier League? So, because of a couple of people, um, Anfield Fix and Pranev, talking about Andre Trinidad and uh, Jamie Sterling, who's a, a coach for a Scottish club, an academy coach, but also someone that talks and writes a lot about you know the tactical side of the game and the theory behind tactics. Um, I became fascinated by Fluminese and what they might be like. For the last few years, I've only watched Palmieri's games, so I haven't watched any other Brazilian games other than when Palmieri's are playing. So I'd seen Fluminese against them, but Palmieri's were the best team in South America for the last three years. So it's hard to judge anybody against them because they're so efficient and they just play a really nice style of football. Well, I like their, I like their football. I know a lot of Brazilians don't. But because of uh, Jamie Sterling and because of the, the two boys going on about Andre, I, I have watched quite a bit of Fluminese. And it, they're really fun to watch. Genuinely, really fun to watch. Could it work in the Premier League? I don't know. I don't think so. I don't think so. Not at this moment. 
but you know what? It would probably work in the short term because there's no one in the Premier League doing anything like that. So when you tr- throw a complete curveball, it's possible that you get through the first half of the season and nobody's able to catch up with you. But I think when teams got more footage of you, more data on you, I think they would start to figure you out a little bit. As for actually discussing the idea behind relationism, I'll leave that to others. Um, Jamie Sterling, at Sterling J on Twitter, uh, Sterling with an I, two I's obviously, but yeah, S-T-I-R-L-I-N-G, is the best person to go. And it's not just what he says himself, but he retweets a lot of stuff and has a lot of good a lot of good um, articles that he finds and interviews that he finds talking about. So, so he's the best person to, uh, to really dig into with that. Um, AMK 2889, the summer of 2003, Real and Barca both wanted Beckham and United pushed for Ronaldinho. Let's say Bex went to Barca. Would Ronaldinho have gone to Real? I don't know, actually. That's a good question. I, I assume they would have pivoted and gone that direction because he would have fit the mould of Real, but can, could you have played Ronaldinho in a team with Figo and Zidane? I mean, maybe as a second striker. Maybe. Yeah, maybe. Maybe he would have. Um if so, would either teams have set up formations differently? Well, R- Barca would have had to change how they played because Beckham wouldn't have suited the way they would play with Ronaldinho. Um, Beckham primarily would have had to play off the right, I'd imagine, and they would have had to play... Who did, Who else did they have? Um, Barcelona... 2003-2004... So, Barcelona. They had Xavi. They could have played Overmars as the left winger. Xavi in central midfield with... Gerard, maybe. Gabri, maybe. Luis Garcia was there. He would have been a backup. Thiago Mata, a young Iniesta... I think they probably would have made it work because they had charisma as well, young charisma. So maybe him and Overmars as the left-wing options, Xavi and Iniesta as sort of the central playmaking options, Thiago Mata and Gerard as the kind of more defensive midfield types. Giovan Bronkhorst could have played anywhere for them. Gabri was a decent ball winner in midfield as well. Up front, they'd have had Clivert and Saviola, which isn't great, but it's not bad. Um, They also had Edgar Davids, to be fair, at the time. So, yeah, I I think they could have played a 4-4-2 that would have been effective. Would it have been perfect? No, probably not. But it would have been effective. Philip Koku was there as well, so he could play in midfield. I think they would have been okay. I do think they would have been okay. Um, 
the rail one would have been a more difficult fit, but I suppose you just play Dino up front behind Ronaldo. That likely would have had to be the play there. Um, so they did have Raul. So you're pushing Raul out at. Yeah, Raul was only 27 at the time, 26. So that's not working. Um, Zidane. To be fair, Zidane was 31 and Figo was also 31. So you could have just had the, the three of them, Ronaldinho, Luis Figo and Zidane, rotating with two always playing. At that time, Real were largely playing a box midfield with those two as the advanced two, Raul and Raul and Ronaldo up front. So it yeah, it, it, it would have worked. It would have worked. They're they're too good of players to, to not have it work, if we're being fair. Um if United were able to get Ronaldinho in, would they still have signed Cristiano? I think they probably would have. But I actually think if they'd gotten him in and they had gotten Ronaldinho, I think they would have converted Cristiano into a striker straight away. Because I remember watching an interview with Ferguson, he was talking about Cristiano and he said, you know, the dribbling and all that was great. And it was what kind of, you know, got people excited. But what got him excited was the pace and the ball striking off either foot. I think he would have tried to convert him into a striker. If Cristiano hadn't gone there, he was going to Arsenal. Arsenal thought they had it done. And then United came in and paid significantly more. Arsenal were going to get him for like four or five million. I think United paid 12 in the end. Um, Rick M, just how big of a threat is the Saudi League, the Premier League and the other big leagues in Europe? For now, it's not a threat. I know they're offering incredible wealth to players, but to to this point, it's still largely players at the end of their careers they're getting. Now, they got Neves and they got Milinkovic-Savage. Neves has already said, I came here for the money. I came here to set my family up. That's fine. Neves isn't an elite-level player. Now, Bernardo Silva going would be a worrying sign. That would be the first elite-level player in their prime who's a big name that they get. But for now, I'm not too concerned. I think it's a bigger threat to France and Portugal than it is to the Premier League, the Bundesliga, La Liga or Serie A. I think the big four are fine for now. It's also a pretty good dumping ground for those clubs if they're trying to get off players who are on overpriced contracts, get a small fee as well. Look at what Liverpool are doing with with Henderson. Getting 12 million for a player that has no real value. Like if you sold him to a Premier League club, you might get 5 million. You'd have to pay him more than that to balance out his contract. So I think it can be be a useful tool for the, the big four leagues. And it might well be the way we see Serie A start to regrow itself by selling off some of these older players. Like, I'd imagine Juventus want rid of Benucci. I'd imagine the Saudis would be very keen to get Benucci. And maybe Juventus can get 10 million for him, which they wouldn't get otherwise, and 
they lose his wages off the wage bill and everybody's happy. Um, so for now, I think it, it could actually help. Long term, we'll have to see because I don't know how long the PIF are going to be willing to pump money into this. It might be a year, it might be two years, it might be 10 years. You know, they're flighty with these things. Uh, Isaac Gilding, question for the pod. Been thinking about how the perception of players is skewed by so many stupid factors and then how revisionist people can be about it later, specifically how fans of non-LFC clubs don't rate Darwin because he looks a bit chaotic despite a respectable season in first season in an abysmal Liverpool side. Another example of is Vinicius's first three seasons at Real where he is now globally rated but at the time people were brutal. Benzema even asked if he was playing to the other side. He was a laughing stock online as well. I actually remember fail comps. This is such a good point. This is such a good point. We see it a lot with players where either they're really good and then fall off or they're, they struggle greatly and then it clicks and then they're unbelievable and people try and whitewash out the early parts. So let me give you a couple of examples. Delhi Ali is one. There are people who are trying to pretend like Delhi wasn't incredible. When, if you look at Delhi's first three seasons in the Premier League, he's more productive in those seasons than Gerard and Lampard were in their first three seasons in the Premier League at around the same age. <clears throat> and just because Delhi's had a, a very rough time of it over the last few years, not just on the pitch, but obviously more so off it, which has led to the issues on the pitch, people are trying to pretend like five years ago, every club wasn't queuing up to buy him. Spurs were being offered huge sums of money for Deli Ali. People are trying to pretend like Liverpool didn't mess up massively when they were favourites to get him, had the deal in place, and Rodgers decided he wanted to sign Fabian Delph instead. And in the end, didn't even buy Fabian Delph. And Deli went all to Spurs and was brilliant for them. Vinny is a perfect example, like you said. He was really, really poor in his first couple of years at Real. But another one is Rodrigo. Now, Rodrigo now is seen as a a vital part of Real's future. But his first couple of seasons at Real were really poor as well. But like with Vinny, after a couple of years, it clicked. Because these were really young kids that left Brazil, moved to Spain, had to adapt to a completely different culture, completely different demands. I know the languages are similar, but they're still different, Portuguese and Spanish. So they had to adapt to all of these things. They're also young kids that grew up poor and all of a sudden had all the money in the world. So that can often be a distraction factor as well. But you know, we see it the other way around. Now, I could use an obvious example, but I'll use Lucas Leiva instead. Lucas Leiva joined Liverpool and was so bad in his first few years that the fans used to boo when they saw the sight of him coming on. Then he had a good six-month run. And that was all it was, was six months where he played well. 
And people tried to pretend like they hadn't disliked him. And then they overcompensated. And even when he was awful after his knee injury and then the thigh injury, they tried to pretend like he'd been a great player for us. And he hadn't. Lalan is another one. Like, you look at his career. Adam Lalana was a fairly run-of-the-mill lower league player for a number of years. Came into the Premier League, had one good season. Liverpool bought him. He was not good for Liverpool. He had a good four-month run in the 16-17 season. But people will pretend like he was good for Liverpool because the team had success while he was at the club. He contributed little or nothing to that success, but people like to pretend that he was anything other than a flop. And he wasn't. He was a flop. Same with Lovren. Lovren was part of a squad that won a Premier League and a Champions League. And people pretend that means he was a success. He wasn't as bad as people make out. Yes, he was. In fact, he was worse. He was worse. But we also see it where where favourite players get protected, like Jordan Henderson. He was awful last season. And there are people trying to pretend otherwise. He was awful the season before, but the team was successful. So people try and forget about it. He was awful the year before that. The team was awful. There was a bunch of injuries and people say, Oh, well, he actually did okay. No, he didn't. Go and watch those games. Likewise, the 18-19 season, he was awful. He was dropped multiple times. But Liverpool won the European Cup. People try and claim he was world-class for the season. He was poor in 17-18. He had a good six months, sorry, good five months in 16-17. And then he got injured. And the team actually improved without him. 15-16, he was poor. 14-15... He was good. The team was crap. 13-14, he was poor in the first half of the year. Actually, you know what? Let's just start at the start. 11-12, awful. 12-13, really bad first six months. Decent, not more than decent, last six months. Well, five months, really, because the season's 10 months. 13-14, really bad first five months. Really, really, really good second five months from... January to May. But then he got sent off. Needlessly, stupidly, and cost us a league title. 14-15, he was good. He was asked to do too much. The team was crap. 15-16, he was poor. He got injured. The team was better without him. 16-17, he was good. The team were iffy. He got injured. The team got better. 17-18, he was poor. 1819, he was poor. 1920, he started the season really poorly. He was pretty poor up until Fabinho got injured in November. Then he had a great run from November to February. Then he got injured. Then he came back and he struggled. And then he got injured again. And he's been crap since. And that's his Liverpool career. One season where he was good, 14-15, the team was awful. And four spells in seasons. Second half of 12-13, second half of 13-14, first half of 16-17, and the middle part of 19-20. And other than that, he's been largely poor. But people will whitewash that and pretend otherwise. The same thing is happening with Vinny, where 
people are pretending like those first three years didn't happen, but they did. Now, it's different for him because he's a kid, but still, they happened. And likewise with Darwin, people are just going to pretend like the season where he exploded at Benfica didn't happen. Look at yesterday. Look at yesterday. I know he makes the wrong decision. He tries to feed Mo. He scores a goal. That's his job. He scores a goal. And people started having a go at him. Like, with that in mind, who are some players that had slow starts to careers or after joining a new club, but then came good later on? Um, wow. Um, right. Slow starts to careers. Like, you could look at Didier Drogba. Didier Drogba didn't look particularly good until he landed at Marseille. He looked very uncoordinated. He didn't look like he knew how to control his own feet. And he was all arms and legs and didn't didn't know how to use his body, didn't know how to do anything. Just big and quick, that was it. Went to Marseille and he figured it out and then look what he went on to do. Um... I mean, John Terry had a slow start to his career. If people go back and watch early John Terry, he was he was very poor. But he stuck with it and he went on and had a very good career. Jamie Carragher's another one had a slow start to his career. People didn't think he was Liverpool quality. Was playing right back, was playing left back, was, you know, was good, but not great. Very limited. Would go on and do very well. Um, I mean, Miguel Almiron is a prime example. Look what he did last season after multiple seasons of disappointment before. Jolington, another really good example. And, like, it's not just this. It's oftentimes a player makes a move, the move doesn't work out, and people just write them off, and then they go elsewhere and they do really well, and people just hang on to the time where they failed. So that bugs me as well. You know, you'll get a guy like say Timo Werner, for example, just because Timo Werner didn't work out at Chelsea. Doesn't mean he wouldn't have worked out if he joined Liverpool or had he joined Arsenal or had he joined Spurs. Just because a player doesn't work at one club doesn't mean they wouldn't work elsewhere. And people get too caught up in the idea that if a player fails somewhere, it just means they're not good. Um, Question from Guy. If Mitrovic forces his way out of Fulham, who should they replace him with? Well, two weeks ago, I would have said Victor Gjorkarez, or Jokarez, but he has... um, He's made his move. He has gone to Sporting... In Portugal. That's a great sign signing for sporting. As for who they should do now, I mean if they want to play the same way, it's kind of tough because he's quite a unique a unique profile of player. There's, there's very few forwards around that are his size, his ability, and just that aggression that he has as well. 
that really does kind of it makes up for some of the flaws in his game because he's terrifying, <laughs> terrifying for defenders to deal with. Um, I I could see someone like Brian Brobby of Ajax maybe being an option. Big, powerful, much more, much quicker than. Um, than Mitrovic, both, you know, uh, kind of a, a bustly type of forward. He's not at Ajax. He's at he's at, at RB Salzburg, RB Leipzig. Um, he came through at Ajax and he went back down on loan last season. Brian Brobby would make sense to me as someone they could look at. Is he? Where is he? He's not at Leipzig. Brobby. Oh, no, he is at Ajax. I'm an idiot. He was there on loan and then they bought him. Yeah, Brian Brobby would be one. Um, maybe Tarami. Maybe Tarami of um, Porto. He's been linked recently with a move to Inter Milan. Now, he is 31. So, you know, he's he is in the... I don't know, the, not, not the post-peak stage of his career, but certainly not at his very, very best. He got 22 goals last season, which is his best league return, 31 in all competitions. So maybe he is going to continue to improve um, as he as he goes into his 30s, the, the way we saw with Benson. So he could be an option. Sardar Eisman, the other Iranian forward, I, I really like him. And I know he's available from from Leverkusen. So he could be one to look at. I really like him as a player. The other Leverkusen forward, Patrick Schick. He has injury problems. But in terms of size, power, technical ability, he would be a good replacement. He's got more technical ability than Mitrovic. Doesn't have Mitrovic's aggression. 27, 6'3". I think he could be someone that would be of interest to Fulham. So maybe they go, they probably need to bring in two. They've got, I know they've got Carlos Vinicius there. Can they rely on him? If they can, then one would be enough. Tarini would interest me. Schick would interest me. Ousman, I just want to see in England. So I do really like him. Um, Who else? I would have said, had they moved quicker, although this, I think, I think Sesco moved last summer, but Benjamin Sesco could have made a lot of sense for them. Um, but I think he moved last summer, didn't he? So probably wasn't an option at any stage. Um, do you know who? linked to Sesco and also linked to the fact that they've just signed Luis Openda, who, by the way, also would have been a good option. Andre Silva of RB Leipzig could make sense. He's 27, be 28 later in the year. If you put goal scorers around him, don't ask him to be your primary goal scorer. Ask him to be more of a focal point. I think he's a more... 
skillful version of Maratha without the really infuriating habit of being offside. Uh, probably not as hard working as Maratha, but Andre Silva could make sense. I think he's a very good player. I do. I think he's a very good player. So maybe him. He, do you know what? He might be the top option because they've just spent big money to bring in two young strikers in Sesco and Appenda. So maybe him, maybe Andre Silva. And then maybe you look at someone younger as well. Now, if it wasn't for the fact that he's got some horrendous character issues, I would have said someone like Ilyawahi and save him from going to Chelsea and going out in 15 loans. Um, could you... Who could you get is the question. I don't think Benfica would sell a Ray Hill. Hugo Ekatiki is believed to be available from PSG. Uh, he moved there from Reims, did not have a particularly good time of it. Superbly talented player. A little bit lightweight. Needs to get stronger, and that will happen as he gets a bit older. If they were willing to give you him on a loan to buy... I think he'd be pricey. Like, I think they paid 30 for him. I think that deal only went through this summer. Yeah, it did. So you could do it, but I think they'd want significant cash. Maybe, do you know what? Go Andre Silva and Brian Brobby. They're the two to go with. Brobby can be your younger potential one. Or another option, Armando Brogia from Chelsea, who doesn't seem to have a real future there. So maybe... Maybe Andre Silva and Brogia. I quite like that, actually. Yeah, Andre Silva and Armando Brogia. Do that. I think you're good. Um, last question, then, is from Alex. Been seeing a lot of Ronaldinho videos this week on the 20th anniversary of him signing for Barcelona. To me, he's the most universally admired player I can remember, potentially most influential in terms of future generations claiming him as their idol. What are other players you would say have had the same or greater impact on the game? Also, is the video real? I assume that's the video of him hitting the crossbar multiple times. My understanding is that it's not, but I, 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 to be honest, he's that talented. It, it well, it could well be. It could well be. Um, if you'd like, you can also build an eleven of players that have played with Ronaldinho. Ooh, I'll definitely do that. Um. Right. Well, to be fair, it might just be the Barcelona team, wouldn't it? Anyway, we'll 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 keep going. Um, other players that are kind of inspirational. Maradona inspired generations. Messi has inspired generations. Um, Rooney inspired a lot of people because he's a working class lad who. Mold, uh, who who matched talent with an incredible desire to to win and be successful. Um, Gerard was 
again, for a generation of English midfielders, Gerard was the guy. I think Xavi and Iniesta, because they're smaller, lighter weight, don't have great pace, but showed that technical ability counted more than anything else. I think those two, uh, Pirlo and Scholes as well, for the same kind of reasons, slower, but super smart and amazing passes of the ball and showed that you can play in the hustle and bustle of midfield by being smarter and more technically sound than anybody else around you. So I think that's, that's a decent list. I would say the player whose overall impact on football is the greatest, though, is Johan Cruyff. Not just because of what he did as a player, but what he did as a coach and as, and as an administrator. Now, most of what he did, he took from his mentor, Renus Michaels. But he brought it to a bigger stage. And, I mean, the Barcelona Dream Team is still looked back on in all. And, you know, he, he modernized Barcelona. He modernized Ajax. Revolutionized the game in many ways. Made a, a huge impact on Pep Guardiola who obviously is probably the most influential coach now. And Pep obviously is a former player that has had a great influence on the game, but I don't think anyone grew up wanting to be Pep the player. Very good player, don't get me wrong. But Cruyff with you know the turn and the way he carried himself and the ego and the skill and everything about him was just, you know, he was a, Johan Cruyff was a rock star. George Best was a rock star as well. Um, I'm sure Pele for Brazilians inspired many. Um, Garincha, I think if you look at the great dribblers in history, most of them owe quite a lot to Garincha and what he did and what he represented. Um, so I would say him for certain is is one to one to definitely um, mention here. A team that play a team of players that played with Ronaldinho. Let me just pull up Dino's career. So Gremio, PSG, Barcelona, AC Milan, Flamengo, Atletico Mineiro, Cuatro, and Fluminense. Um it is mad to think that he was 28 when Barcelona said goodbye to him because Pep didn't want to work with him. Played for Brazil from 2019, sorry, from 1999 to 2013. So I think the best goalkeeper he would have played with, probably Julio Cesar. I think it's probably Julio Cesar. I only played with Dida for Brazil. But I never liked Dida. I never thought he was never thought he was great. Wouldn't be a huge Victor Valdez fan. Um Milan played with Dida at Milan as well. 
I'm going to go with Julio Cesar in goal. Um, he played with Nesta. Now, it was Nesta at the end of his career, but it was still Nesta. And so I'm going to include him. He played with Maldini, but again, it was, I think it was the last season of Maldini's career. So I'm going to have him in. Do I go Cafu and Roberto Carlos as my fullbacks? Two Italians as centre backs. Played a Puyol as well, though. We'll go back five, three at the back. Puyol, yeah, three at the back. We'll go Puyol, Nesta, Maldini. We'll go... Cafu and Carlos. He would have played with... Another Brazilian left back, but that Brazilian left back is not going to be included uh, in this team because of what he's been at. Um, yeah, he would have played with him, I think, just for Brazil, not for Barca. Now we're going to go Cafu. So Cafu and Carlos as wing backs. Xavi and Iniesta, we'll just play them as a double pivot. They'll be fine. Because Busquets didn't come into the team until the year after. He did play with great midfielders for Brazil. He played with Gilberto Silva. He played with Emerson. If I leave him out, because it's a team of players he played with, I think I'll leave him out. I'll go Messi and or nine up front. I'll put Gilberto Silva into midfield with Xavi and Iniesta. I'll have those two wing backs, and that's what I'll do. Um, so, yeah, there you go. We'll take a break. When we come back, we'll have the news and bits, well, the gossip and some bits of news. Um, and tomorrow we'll go full nostalgia pod again. Um, but just today, I don't have time because there's obviously a lot of stuff going on around Liverpool. So, I have uh, quite a few Anfield index obligations to do today but um yeah i will see you after this break right welcome back so uh at the moment you may be aware the women's world cup is underway in australia and new zealand yesterday i, th- I think it was yes- yesterday my time but today their time uh new zealand beat norway by one goal to nil, uh, Wilkinson with the goal. Uh, that was seen as an upset, obviously, because Norway are one of the stronger women's nations. Um, as I speak, Ireland are losing to Australia, one nil. Uh, there's a, been a penalty by Catley after 52 minutes. It looks like Australia have been the better team. 65% of the ball, 10 shots to four, six corners to four. So it does look like the Aussies have been the better team, um, which is, you know, unfortunate. But, um, well, look, there's still 10 minutes left or so, so fingers crossed Ireland can pull 
out the draw. Uh, Kai Havertz scored for Arsenal as the Gunners beat the MLS All-Stars. Um, he also took part in a cross and volley competition and was absolutely shocking. So I, I, I don't know what to make of it. Look, the game is meaningless because it's an all-star team. It's not even not even a proper friendly. It's a group of lads that don't play together re- regularly. United will take on United, uh, sorry, Arsenal will take on United on Saturday in a game that should be uh, a little bit more of a test for both sides. Chelsea beat Wrexham 5-0 in a friendly. Uh, Chelsea played largely a very young team and Ian Matson scored two goals. Conor Gallagher Christopher Nkunku and Ben Chilwell also scored in that one. Bournemouth have completed the signing of Hungarian left-back Milos Kirkus, who's one of the best young left-backs in world football, 19 years of age, hand-picked by Maldini a few years ago to be his success, his the, the next him or whatever at Milan. For some reason, he didn't settle in there. Went back to, uh, moved to the area to visit to AZ Altman has been phenomenally good for them. He was expected to go back to Italy this summer and to join Lazio. And Bournemouth have, have hijacked the move. And I think it's a brilliant move. And they've been linked with both Sasha Bowie and Ivan Fresneda to fill the right back spot. And if they get either of them, particularly Fresneda, that would be an unbelievably strong fullback pairing for them for the long term. Now, obviously, it's Bournemouth, so they'll be there a couple of years and then probably move on. But you get those two as the fullbacks. Zarbani is the right side centre back. You've got Sinisi or Lloyd Kelly as the left side centre back. That's potentially a really strong defence. Now, it's young and inexperienced, but there's huge talent in it. Neto and goal. I'm not a huge fan, but he did well last season. Ideally, I'd like to upgrade there. I'd like to see an upgrade. Well, they need an upgrade in defensive midfield. And with Jefferson Lerma gone, they needed probably two in in defensive midfield. Um, Hamid Traore is the 10. You go Oatara off one wing, Clivert or Tavernier off the other, Solanke up front. I think it's very talented. But there's a couple of players that are uh, what I would class as unreliable in Solanke and Clivert. Um, can be very good, can also be very, very flaky. But the Kirkish deal is is a tremendous bit of business. Absolutely tremendous bit of business. And it explains why they didn't pursue the Matthias Vigna deal. They had him on loan with an option, decided not to go that direction, and I think they've gotten... Um, and I like Vigna, I really do, but I think they've gotten a better, better choice here. If they get Fresneda or Bowie as the right-back, they'll, they'll be in good shape defensively. Uh, Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang is set to leave Chelsea and join Marseille. Um, He's agreed a contract. I assume Chelsea are going to let him go for free. Manchester United beat Lyon 1-0. Donny van der Beek uh, played and played well. Was given a lot of praise after the game, but says he doesn't really know what his future holds. So we'll have to wait and see on that one. Manchester City have agreed a 30 million deal for Riyad Mahrez to join Al Ali in the Saudi Pro League. Um, yeah, Mahrez was always one that they were going to pursue. So makes sense, City. It's a good price for a player that's on the decline. Um, 
El Atafak have agreed a £12 million deal to sign Jordan Henderson, which is a great deal for Liverpool. Uh, Inter, Mila- Inter Milan have signed Juan Cuadrado on a one-year deal after his exit from Juventus. Um, he's 35. He's been in Juve a long time. Failed at Chelsea when he was there, but it wasn't necessarily his fault. He's a talented player. Was a very, very exciting winger many years ago. Became more of a fullback, wingback in the last five years and has done well for Juve. But it's the right time for Juve to move on. Inter are struggling for cash, which is kind of why they've gone ahead and done that. Um, It does look like Newcastle will get their deal done for Harvey Barnes. That one looks like it's close. It looks like we could also see Alan St. Maximum head to the Saudi Pro League, which is a little bit a little bit difficult to swallow considering the PIF own both, but you know, you have that. Um no confirmation yes yet, and I haven't seen other journalists say it, but uh Fabrizio Romano, who's now my best friend, by the way, um he has said that you, that City have agreed a fee for Josco Guardiol. Remains to seen if that's confirmed. It may well have been since I started recording. It hadn't been the last time I checked my phone, which is about an hour and a half ago. Um, so maybe, maybe that one gets gets done soon. That is the ruthlessness of Pep Guardiola. Aki was one of their three best players last season, easily their best defender. And he's just binned him off. Well, not binned him off, but he's brought in uh, a big, shiny replacement for him. You know, that's why Pep wins. Doesn't do sentiment, just does winning. Uh, Chelsea are working on an improved offer of 80 million plus add-ons for Moises Caicedo. Chelsea are considering bringing Mark Guehi back to the club two years after selling him to Palace. Palace have put a £60 million valuation on Guehi, which means they'd sell for 50. Rafinha is a potential target for Manchester City to replace Riyad Mahrez. Would make sense. Um, Alan's maximum to Al-Ali. So it would be both Mahrez and um, Sir Maximum going to Al-Ali. So they would be, uh, you'd imagine, the, the wingers there. I don't know who else is at the club. Let's have a look. Let's have a look and see who else they have. Uh, their manager is currently vacant. I'm available if anyone wants to pay me a ton of money. Uh, they obviously signed Edward Mendy from Chelsea. They signed Bobby Firmino from Liverpool. Uh, well, they signed him as a free agent, but obviously best known from his time at Liverpool. Uh, who else is there? Riyad Budabuz, who's very talented, but just never really kicked on and developed. Um, Alioski, formerly of Leeds, he's there. That's fairly fairly solid squad. Now there'll be a huge gulf in class, obviously, between those players coming in and the lads that were there beforehand. Um, let's have a look: Al Halil, Al Al Nazar, and Ali Tahad. Al Halil, who've they got? They have Koulibaly, Ruben Neves. Andre Carrillo, Sergei Milinkovic Savage. We'll see what else they do. They've been linked with a few others, including um, Luis Diaz of Liverpool. Al Itahad, this is the club trying to sign uh, Fabinho. So they have Tariq Ahmed, 
They've got N'Golo Kante. They've got Karim Benzema. Jota, who they brought in from Celtic. That's a pretty... Uh, Higazi, people might remember him when he was at West Brom. That's a pretty pretty decent group as well. And then Al Nazir, uh, Cristiano, obviously, David Ospina, Colombian keeper formerly of Napoli. Uh, Marcelo Brozovic has gone there this summer. Taliska, who was, if people remember, was linked to every club in Europe when he was at Benfica and has just just taken all the money moves. Uh, went to China and then came from China to Saudi when the Arabs fell out of the Chinese league. Uh, they signed Seiko Fafana as well, who's a really good midfielder. Uh, and they own Pitti Martinez. They brought him in for big money, $18 million. And at the moment, he's an unregistered player. So I don't really know what's going on there. He's only 30, so I'm assuming he's not retiring or anything. Um, yeah. They're building. They're building slowly. We'll see what happens. Um, yeah. Yeah. Right. On to the rest of the gossip then. Al-Nazir. Al-Nazir again. They have um, improved their proposal for Musa Diaby. I do think he's going to pick Villa. Crystal Palace will place a minimum 70 million valuation on Czech Dekure. I think they'll take 55-60. Tottenham are considering a move for Pedro, who plays for Flamengo. A 15 million bid could be enough for Bournemouth to meet, beat the likes of Borussia Dortmund, Barcelona and Real Madrid, the signing of Ivan Fresneda. Uh, well, Barcelona can't afford him. I haven't seen him linked to Real. Dortmund have been interested for a while, but they haven't really made a move. Fulham have made an initial £15 million bid for IX defender Calvin Bassey. He's a good defender, to be fair. Um, Serbian striker Alexander Mitrovic says he will never play for Fulham again after they turned down two bids from Al-Halil. Al-Halal? Hilal? Al-Halal, isn't it? Atletico Madrid have given João Felix the go-ahead to complete a dream transfer to Barcelona. They've done that knowing that Barcelona can't possibly do that deal. Chelsea could complete a move for El Uai, but Atletico Madrid are also in the running. Atletico have contacted Paris Saint-Germain about the availability of Marco Verratti. Verratti in a, in a, in a Simeone team. That seems like a disaster waiting to happen. Um... Arsenal are tracking Dinamo Zagreb's 20-year-old midfielder, Martin Baturina. Baturina, uh, who impressed for Croatia at the under-20 European Championships. Tottenham have joined West Ham in the race for Conor Gallagher. Not a hope. Uh, in in Lange Postecoglou midfield, no chance. Um, Villarreal are interested in signing Cedric Soares from Arsenal. Real Betis are interested in Pablo Fornals as well as Giovanni Lacelso. Lacelso was there before. He might be happy to go back. Tottenham have given Davinson Sanchez permission to hold talks with Strasbourg and Spartak Moscow. Wolves are in talks to sign Aaron Cresswell. Jesus wept. Somebody please, please, please ring Wolves and rescue. Just rescue Ray and Nuri. 
Napoli and Torino are in contention to sign Bubakari Samari from Leicester. Right, that is it. That's all I have for today, folks. Thank you as always, and I will see you all tomorrow. Bye-bye. Podcast Network.